This is the Crypto Valley Podcast. What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Crypto Valley Podcast. My name is RK. Today is Wednesday, June 17th. 2020 and on this podcast we explore the history of money from its very inception all the way to its current state and most importantly its future we also discuss how the current financial system illusions investors and consumers and how you can exit and obtain your financial interdependence so if you're someone who has average to no experience in finance and would like to take control of your financial future instead of trusting a banker or advisor, then this podcast is for you. And please don't forget, your banker doesn't explain you to understand investing for a reason. And please share this podcast, review this podcast on iTunes or Spotify. I'm not sure if we are already on Google Podcasts, but I think we are going to soon be there as well. Uh, But please, if you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy this content, share it with your loved ones, share it with your colleagues, whoever you think needs to know more about this subject and leave us a review that will help us to spread the word and help others get the financial education that they need. Today is a very special day to be honest. Uh, This is an episode I have been working along with the first episode all the way uh, up until the fourth episode and on this episode we are going to move finally to explain more details about cryptocurrencies. And the main question we are going to deep dive, and I am not really sure if we can cover this in one episode. That's probably gonna take three episodes to explain very basically uh, about Bitcoin. But this episode is basically focused on the question, what is Bitcoin? And In order to answer this question, you really need to first understand what money is. That is, according to my experience, maybe you have a different experience, but according to my experience, that's the best way to understand what Bitcoin is and what Bitcoin stands for. And uh, also the other subjects we talked about in the previous episodes namely the problems of the fiat money that we're working with today and the monetary policy and the government system the central banking system this is very important if you have this basic fundamental knowledge it's much easier for you to understand what bitcoin is so remember on the first episode we talked about the characteristics of gold and those characteristics that made gold money. And you're going to recognize many of those characteristics here too. So this is quite interesting. 
I have actually prepared a sentence that is explaining Bitcoin and I'm just going to read it. A fungible, durable, digitally recognizable, highly divisible, internationally transferable, open source, peer-to-peer, decentralized, permissionless, trustless, censorship resistant, borderless, most secure and transparently hard-capped scarce digital asset. So, (laughs) I know it sounds very complicated, but don't worry, we're going to explain each one of these characteristics what Bitcoin is practically one by one so in other words Bitcoin is gold but it's way better than gold because of its much more sophisticated characteristics so in part one we are going to discuss the decentralized, secure, trustless, censorship-resistant, borderless, transferable, and scarce aspect of Bitcoin, okay? So you gotta imagine Bitcoin as a giant network of computers, just like the internet is. The difference, however, is that this network has a catch compared to the internet. That catch is that its nature eliminates the possibility to counterfeit or to copy any data. So the moment you send, for example, an email to a colleague, that data is actually copied over from your computer to another computer. That is not the case with the Bitcoin network. Whenever there is any data transferred from one place to another on the Bitcoin network, that data is not copied, but literally transferred from one place to another. The best way to actually explain this is to look how a bank, a normal standard bank works, right? What does a bank do? A bank is every time it receives a transaction instruction from any customer is debiting one account that is owned by one person and credits the other account that the transaction is supposed to go. So the bank makes sure that both accounts are balancing each other out that the data that is moved is not copied and for doing that we trust that one bank and we actually go to an intermediary namely a bank in order to do that with bitcoin however you have to imagine this ledger that the banks are working on this ledger that the Bitcoin network also works with is not controlled by any one bank, 
but is public. So you can right now go to the blockchain and see all the transactions of anybody in the entire history of Bitcoin and you can see in real time every time a transaction is completed and successfully validated and debited and credited. This is public. So the reason this is public is because it's public all these computers in the network can decide to basically mine Bitcoin. That's what it's called. So these computers are mining transactions or they are mining Bitcoins by validating transactions and they get for the work that they do, they get Bitcoins in rewards. And the way it happens is that if somebody, let's say I want to send one Bitcoin to my friend, I go ahead and just like I would tell my bank that I trust and my friend trusts his bank, uh, just like I would go to my bank and tell my bank, hey, please debit my account and tell the bank of my friend's bank to credit his account. I don't need to do that here. All I, all I need to do is to broadcast the same information to a giant network of these miners or these nodes or these computers that I would like to send this one Bitcoin to this address and the entire network starts a competition to validate my transaction. Now, because this ledger is completely transparent and public, everybody can see all the transactions in the past. So everybody can see if I ever really received in this chain, this, that's why it's called blockchain, right? In this chain of transactions all the way back, if this amount that I am trying to send is valid, if I really have received it in the past. And yes, they can see it that I have done it. So I cannot have copied that information. It's available to everybody, the information that I got this amount credited at some time in the past. So this is to make sure that I am not basically cheating the system, right? Now, this competition starts and all these computers are trying to compete to win the reward being more Bitcoins, right? And they're going to take my transaction into a block that starts every, on average, every 10 minutes, there's a new block on this ledger, all right? We're not going to technicals, guys. This is very, 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 very simple. Even, even by the way, if you don't understand this, it's fine. You don't have to understand every single thing about Bitcoin in order to make use of it and in order to understand its benefits. The fact is that it works, but it's also good to uh, know how it roughly works technically. So uh, my transaction is then taken to a so-called block and this block needs to be solved 
by many computers in the network in order to win the reward, which is more Bitcoins. Now, if one of these networks or one of these computers try to cheat, they will basically shoot themselves in the head because if they do, they will basically not be able to solve the problem in the first place and not get the reward from the entire network. So because it is completely uh, neutral and because it's completely decentralized and public, you will immediately be exposed to everybody if you try to cheat because everybody knows the rules of the ledger of the of the network and whenever anybody is trying to cheat everybody will see uh, he is not following the rules of consensus so he's trying to cheat and you're completely exposed immediately and you cannot continue mining and you get kicked out of the network and uh, your IP address is not going to be taken uh, in anymore etc so the trade-off that you would make if you cheat the network is much much worse than just playing by the rules by the majority so as long as the majority is following the rules which is 51% of the network there is no way for you to cheat the network unless you have more computing power or your computer is more powerful than 51% of the entire network. So very briefly, this is how you cannot cheat the network. It's because it is not centralized. It is completely decentralized. If it was centralized, just like a bank is, you could artificially increase the number of Bitcoins you could all of a sudden decide that transactions should go slower or transactions should not go through because of some reason that whatever that reason is let's stay neutral but for some certain of reason that small group of people doesn't want or is not allowed because maybe the government has told them to validate your transactions in this case however this is not possible because it is completely decentralized if one node is shut down by its government there is plenty of other nodes around the world sitting in other countries that will validate transactions so let's take this in i mean look at all these issues we discussed in the past episodes this is solving the need for an intermediary. This is solving the censorship problem that we discussed of corrupt governments. This is solving the transportability problem of gold. This is solving so many things that we discussed throughout the past episodes up until now. And it is its decentralized nature that makes this possible. You know, many people say, okay, Bitcoin is great, Bitcoin is wonderful, but what about all the other cryptocurrencies? Well, the other cryptocurrencies are not decentralized. 
the only completely decentralized, most secure cryptocurrency out there is Bitcoin. And this is what makes it so powerful and unstoppable. You cannot stop it because there is no single point to stop. And that's what makes it also valuable. Many people don't see any intrinsic value in it because they compare it to gold and say, yes, gold has intrinsic value. Okay, uh, it does have intrinsic value, but remember, let's roll back. Ta-dam, ta-dam, ta-dam. Episode one, what made gold money? It was not its intrinsic value. It was because it was durable, fungible, somehow transferable, divisible, and of course, scarce aspect that made it uh, money and that you cannot counterfeit it. You cannot copy it. This is what made it so valuable, not because of its intrinsic value or industrial use. That's a completely different subject that you cannot take into this. So Bitcoin beautifully combines the benefits of gold with the benefits of fiat money or paper money that we built on top of gold and later on forgot gold. That's what makes Bitcoin so secure and so trustworthy that you can without the need of permission of anybody, you can transmit a transaction to anywhere in the world without asking for any kind of government to allow you to do so. And of course, uh, the scarcity aspect is the most beautiful and my favorite part of what Bitcoin is, is that its founder in 2008, Satoshi Nakamoto, put into its protocol the rule that there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins. Now, if, of course, Bitcoin was not decentralized and only a few people had control over it to validate transactions, that small group of people could have decided to change this rule and to make more or even less Bitcoins available in circulation. And many, many people don't get that. They say, yes, it is scarce, but wait a moment. I mean, why can't anybody say that there is more Bitcoins? Yeah, because it's decentralized. And if you bring a much more sophisticated currency or digital uh, cryptocurrency into the market, no matter how much better and more sophisticated you become technically versus Bitcoin, you cannot possibly compete with it because that gap is already filled and that gap of a digital scarce and completely decentralized currency already exists 
And the moment you try to build the same thing, obviously you're going to immediately get attacked and before you are big enough or your network is big enough to be decentralized as well, you're already attacked because all the uh, hackers in the world know already the rules and know already what cryptocurrencies are, know already Bitcoin, and they're going to immediately shut you down. So all these currencies, they come and they announce so many amazing things, but they have to isolate themselves into their environment because if they expose themselves into the wild decentralized environment, they wouldn't be able to survive. But because Bitcoin was something completely new in the beginning days in 2009 and nobody even knew what it is, nobody even bothered to attack it. So it was able to naturally grow and its network was able to naturally become more and more decentralized over time in order to build a track record and to gain the trust to make it a currency, a trustless, but at the same time, trustworthy, hard asset that nobody can break and nobody can stop. So all these regulation things that we talk about in the previous episode, you heard Andreas talking about government censorship or government regulation, etc. You can, of course, you can try to regulate it, but it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't make any difference to the network. The network will just continue doing what it's doing. Every 10 minutes, there will be a new block. Every 10 minutes, there will be new transactions that are going to be validated from one node from somewhere in the world that is not part of your government or not part of your country, whatever. So over time, you will notice that things like that, such disruptive technologies like that, you either as a government or as a central bank or as a competition, if it's that disruptive, you will try to fight it first. But later, once you realize that you cannot fight it, you will jump on it and go with it because you know you can not fight it. And if you do so, you will break yourself against it. And that's exactly what Bitcoin is. And that's exactly what is right now as we are recording this uh, podcast is exactly happening. The banks are coming into the realization that there is just no way to stop it, stop this system and stop this uh, technology. So we have to start innovating and it will basically force banks to understand that they have to accept Bitcoin as a completely out of the system hard asset and that they either going to jump on it and they're going to profit from it or they're going to be left out. Okay, guys, let's keep this short. I don't want to go into too much details about Bitcoin right now. 
I want you to think about this a little bit. Of course, if you have questions, you can email me as well. Ask questions. I'm open to answer any questions if it's not clear. But remember, you do not have to understand Bitcoin exactly technically. You just need to understand what it can do practically. And if you do it right now, you will be way ahead of the majority of people in the world. Because right now, compared to gold, compared to stocks, compared to other currencies in the world, Bitcoin is like a sand in a huge desert. It is still very, very tiny. And if you take the time right now in 2020 to learn about this technology and to understand its practical utilities, you will be way ahead and you can position yourself today. And when the majority of people will start to learn this and will also jump on it, you will tremendously benefit. So this is really a century chance that we have now. I see it that way, at least that you can educate yourself right now. And before it's mainstream, completely mainstream, and the price goes to the roof, you can now educate yourself. And this is not financial advice. I'm just telling you about what Bitcoin is and what it can do. You have to do your own research. You need to know what you're doing. But if you can learn this right now, you will be way ahead of the majority of the population of the planet. All right, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. And again, please, if you enjoyed this content, if you enjoy this podcast, kindly share this with your friends. And by the way, we are now on Instagram. We are on Instagram to be found under the Crypto Valley, sorry, Crypto Valley Show. That's the name of the channel there. If you would like to follow us, we're, we're there already. We're on Twitter. We're soon to be on LinkedIn too. Please follow us on those channels and stay tuned. See you in the next episode. Take care.